Damaris, welcome to the Retain Podcast. Thank you. A great recovery from the COVID pandemic would have helped countries to build back better while driving economic growth and job recreation. But the latest renewables reports paint a different picture. Transition that the world had hoped for is simply not happening. So let's start with this. Why do you think we missed this opportunity despite the existing technology and the reduced cost that came with it? Uh, I believe that, you know, in nature, humans don't like change. Um, we went through so much change that, you know, the people who, who are more comfortable with disruption is to happen, right? And I know some people don't necessarily like the word disruption. Disruption needs to happen for the better, which is really uh, evolution. And, um, and, and I think that some people maybe were overwhelmed with the disruption that was happening on the planet already. Um, and, and weren't willing to, you know, continue to ride that wave into doing something better. Um, that's, of course, some generalizations. There are some folks in some groups who did, you know, think this was the right time to apply technology, to take that risk. I mean, you know, we basically risked all of, all of our lives, uh, even just in the world we were living in with, with COVID. So why not, you know, risk the things that, that will perhaps enable us to turn the page over to a better opportunity um, in order to implement technologies that are available, that the creators of these technologies have imagined and, and brought through to reality and they've risked it before. So why not join that and, and be able to do that? So I think, you know, it's, it's a little bit of fear mechanism that was still there for some. But what are the risks of delaying the energy transition? Oh, that's such a good question. Uh, again, you know, I think that some people, the incumbent is so much easier. Um, and at the end of the day, it boils down to two things. So something needs to inspire people for that change. And that inspiration, it really is one of two things. Number one, there has to be a reward. There has to be a greater give to the people. So there has to be something for them to gain. And so I think that communication aspect needs to be put out in a more succinct way so that people know that they have something to win, uh, whether it's, you know, monetary um, or, you know, maybe they're the first and they have the first and cool factor. Um, so it has to be either a win or a loss, a consequence. And that usually would be driven by policy. And unfortunate, for most people, it will take you know a policy change. So things like carbon tax credits or a carbon tax action, pardon me. Uh, either you get taxed or you get a credit. And that's at the end of the day what it is going to boil down. I know some regions in the world are not in, in this you know carbon tax mechanism yet, but it is a very real mechanism. Whether we like it or not, uh, it, it is coming. Uh, it is already implemented in various countries, for example, in Europe and North America, and the rest of the world will follow uh, in one form or another. I think it's important to mention that uh, the UN Climate Change Conference, COP26 last year, we, we saw a number of important commitments, including the UAE roadmap to net zero mm -hmm. by 2050. And the Middle East is now at the heart of the energy transition conversation with COP27 taking place in Egypt this year and COP28, uh, the UAE next year. So 
which industries do you think could have the greatest impact uh, by transitioning to more renewable energy sources? Um, oh, I think all of them will. All of them, absolutely all of them. Um, so I know you and I talked before with regards to uh, my aversion to energy transition. Um, transition to me indicates something must die and something must be born. And that is absolutely incorrect. I believe that we need to evolve and the future of energy, um, as passionate as I am about it, has to be an energy mix. And so that said, we need to we need to take a look at, you know, uh, often these goals are, you know, really sometimes it's a wish list. Net zero by, right? Net zero by 2050, for example, or others are more aggressive, net zero by 2040. I mean, really, you only have a few years to get there. Some of them are even as aggressive as 2030. Uh, or have some type of metrics to get there by that. What I don't see the metrics being is, you know, back to your first question, both organizations and governments and people need to be inspired to take a look at that number and also take a look at how do we get there? What are the things that I can do as a person in my home? How do I teach my children? That's a personal level. But corporates need to really, really, not push, but encourage and mandate that humans within the organizations, all organizations are still run by humans, take a risk within their portfolio to be able to implement these technologies today. Okay, we're not gonna go crazy and just install and, and try everything, but I know that there are some corporates that really pride themselves on integration of technology. So that is what needs to happen as a catalyst on an everyday basis to get us there. You know, all these events, COP26, COP27 in, in Egypt, and then COP28 next year in the UAE are stages for this. Does everybody make it to that stage? Probably not. Um, most likely not. There's innovation happening in places that we don't know. And that is what takes work. That's, you know, that's part of what the strategy does. That's part of what Ignite is trying to provide access to all humans to be able to take a look at these technologies at various different levels so that we can start to implement within our day-to-day. -day. Let's, let's discuss about the digital technologies and the role of the digital technologies in supporting sustainable business model innovation. How do you think AI can be a powerful tool in fighting climate change, for example. Yeah, uh, on the metrics, I think the rulers need to be um, much quicker, uh, much more accessible, and, and companies and, and organizations and people need to know what's, what, what, is, what is it that they're implementing, whether it's you know, hardware or, or behavioral-based changes um, that can get them to that net zero. So how am I decarbonizing every day? How is this company implementing technology to decarbonize? And how do we actually measure that movement of the needle? Those are the key pieces where I believe there's a, we've missed a little bit of the opportunity to um, converge both hardware, right? So non-digital technologies and digital technologies. So for example, if you take a look at, I'm, I'm having a, um, I'm building a building and I want it to be net zero. So I'm going to incorporate uh, different technologies such as net zero clean cement. 
I'm going to have windows that have solar technology in them, integrated, so um, building integrated photovoltaic. I'm going to have uh, pavement integrated photovoltaic. I'm going to have power reduction systems, which will control all of my air systems, for example. So many different technologies that are ready now to be scaled, okay? So we go and do that. But then, you know, how do we know that if I didn't put those things in, in there, what is my baseline? So we need to start to measure baseline on, on not just each building by building, but the aggregate. So what does is, what is Dubai, for example, uh, have for a carbonization footprint and a building footprint? What does Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, or London, England, or New York City, or you know, Vancouver, Canada, all of these you know, cities that have a mandate need to start to think like that. Municipalities need to be able to request and be able, and you know, so again, it boils down to policy and reporting. And so these types of reporting mechanisms, not only are they uh, lend themselves quite nicely to AI, but also give us uh, you know, a global leadership data where others can follow. So countries who do have a net zero mandate should be using tools and integrating tools such as AI to be able to show that movement of the needle, capture that data, have an open source platform that globally shows, because it will come down to that. Each country globally will have its responsibility because if one is really a big emitter and the other one is a net zero or a negative carbon output, which is amazing, then how do we balance that, right? It's not fair that one gets penalized that everybody gets penalized the same when one is actually really putting in an effort and other ones are not. And so AI, I think, lends itself to really that, that measuring tool and that data capture that we all need to, to look at ourselves in the mirror and see this is where we're at today and maybe I'm not so pretty. And so maybe I need to fix my hair a little bit, right? Or things like that so I can get to the best that we can be. And those are those are the, the items where we need to really, really look inside. And it takes time. It's, you know, sometimes it's not the easiest thing to do. And we know, but we do know how we have to do it. And, and there are tools uh, that will help us get there. Now, I know that enabling inclusion and inspiring diversity is deeply in your DNA because you co-founded Women in Energy, Women in Blockchain, and you also are involved in the future and uh, of energy and youth education program. And you also mentioned uh, Ignite Fund, a woman-led fund. What is the status of women's participation in the energy sector or in, in the business industry in general? How would you like to, to take this, uh, this subject to move on with our discussion? Oh, you know, I when there was a group of us, of course, that got together in oil and gas way back when, been working for too long. Um, and, uh, you know, we were, catching up to the males, our male counterparts. Um, when I started in energy sector, specifically in oil and gas, um, women were you know, regarded as the secretary, um, even though some of them had master's degrees, right? Uh, and PhDs and, and so on. And so you know, it, was, it was really unfair. And I remember it, thinking back, it, it's really quite something. Um, the, the positive thing is we've come a long ways. Um, Calgary Women in Energy is still standing, uh, a great group who actually involves not just, you know, each other, supports each other, um, augments education for all members, um, 
also had this a lot with the community, which is very typical of women. Women on the planet were 51% of the human population. So, you know, when, when we look at companies to, to fund, for example, when I look at investing my own money and I look at a, a, at a leadership board on a deck that's all male, I love men. I love my husband, my, you know, business partners. I, I love these men because they really, really support everybody into the mix. But when I see a leadership a board or a leadership um, C-suite that is all male, I simply, I actually feel bad for them because they're missing out a complete 51% of the human population in their take in that technology, their take in how that this should be grown globally, et cetera. Um, actually, um, O'Leary uh, from the Dragon's, uh, Dragon's Den, which is a very famous uh, North American uh, show, uh, just put out a, an article talking about how, I believe it was 90% of the, of the companies that he's made the most money out of are women-led. So that's really interesting. Um, women just work really hard. We're very much around community. Uh, we're, we have an all-inclusive approach to how we treat companies. And so um, instead of saying, hey, you know, I did this, it's we did this. Um, instead of just honoring the me, 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 and I'm not saying all males are like that, but they're, they're, that tendency does exist. Um, they really honor the people that help them get there. So, you know, it's not a leadership of I'm in the front and you're in the back, is we're all here together. So uh, I believe that, you know, these, these pieces of, you know, women in energy, women in, in, in blockchain, which I brought the group together and you know, before I moved to, to Europe, um, I passed it on and I know that they're doing a great job leading that. And there's several groups that have, you know, come into that space now. And the blockchain aspect for me was more, before we have to catch up to them, to our male counterparts, let's just be at the table if we choose to, right? If we choose to stay home and, and, and have a family, that's fine too. But we should always have that choice to be at the table because the table just simply is not complete if we are one-sided. And that, that really is what it boils down to. Industries and countries are doing much more to be more inclusive. Uh, we all have our capacities, uh, our, you know, our failures and, and, our, and our wins, but we need to come together to be able to augment the things that we're good at because we really all are trying to drive to, to the same goal. And if we don't, if we miss out, we really miss out if we're not holistic in our approach. Damaris, it was so, such an inspiring, inspiring discussion and I hope to see you again soon at the Rating Podcast. Thank you so much for your presence. Thank you. Be well.